thing that I've learned about myself recently is that uh, sometimes my hat's tilted, like just a little bit, and it drives me crazy when you don't I don't know, know. When I don't know, and I'll go use the bathroom or something. I'm like, oh no, it's been hot for like half all day. a day. Yeah. Um, and the reason that's funny to me is because I have totally mocked people for having like <laughs> yeah. you you've had your sunglasses some of the time they'll be slightly askew they, or it, like it's my bent. nose the way it is <laughs> yeah. it like tilts just a little bit yeah. <laughs> so anyway I that's karma yeah. yeah just coming back and saying yeah don't yeah. make fun yeah. of people all right <laughs> that's how it always is man <laughs> yeah same with my older brother brett he's Near, near, uh, you know, cue ball at this point. <laughs> and, and I, I remember when I first just started railing on him for going thinning, thinning his hair and yeah. getting bald. I'm like, dang it, now that's that's me right there, dude. That's, <laughs> that's why. That's, that's why you're at. desperately holding on to that lo- <laughs> yeah. the long locks on the back end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, got to do it while I can. <laughs> I don't know what's after this. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once you cut it again, you're gonna be just like your brother. No. <laughs> oh, holding on for dear life. But, yeah, and I'm not fooling anybody. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, <you're not>. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, man. Anyway, so the topic I was wanting to talk to you about um, is what WTF is EMDR and how does it work? EMDR? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, EMDR is an interesting, uh, you know I'm a big fan of it. You probably, you know, everyone hears about it. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. Um, EMDR is a treatment that's been designed specifically to help for trauma, past trauma. And it was actually developed, you know, it was kind of interesting how it was developed. The founder of EMDR was actually sitting on a park bench one day. She's a therapist. She was talking to somebody and she noticed that as this person was telling their story that their eyes would move back and forth really quickly, like almost like like being in REM sleep Hmm. mode. And so she started wondering like, what's going on with the, the eye movement that goes on there? And so she started actually doing eye movements while she had people talk through their trauma and started to get really good results. And then since then, it's kind of been researched into other things. And so there's a few things that go into EMDR that I think are extremely helpful. And I I will say this, I've done a little EMDR myself. It's been extremely helpful. I've seen a whole bunch of help in a lot of my clients who have done it as well. So I'm a big believer in it. And it's not just like magic. Take that with a grain of salt. It's (laughs) kind of funny how I got into EMDR a little bit because actually it's kind of funny because when I was working for the drug courts of Southeastern Idaho, maybe, maybe 15 years ago, my boss actually sent us all, all of the therapists, he sent us all to a training for EMDR. It was this magic voodoo thing of like, yeah, you move your eyes and then you get better with stuff. And I went to the training and I got through the first day of the training and I was like, this stuff sucks. Like, this is BS. Like, this is, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not doing EMDR. I didn't even go back for the last day of the training. I'm like, I, I'm not going to do any EMDR. So then it, and when we get like, you know, <laughs> fast forward, fast forward 10 years and my brother, Brandon, who's a therapist, he calls up and he's like, Hey, Tyler, like you got to check out this treatment. He's like, I just got trained in it. I've been doing it for myself. He's like, this really works. I'm like, Oh, cool. What is it? You know, he's like EMDR. Like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> Like, I, I turned EMDR down 10 years ago. Like, <laughs> like, all right, well, I'll check it out, you know. So then I get sent to the training, and I go to the training, and, and then I actually do some of it for myself, and I go, 
whoa, like this stuff really, really helped. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about like the theories behind it for just a second. And, and what the acronym yeah, is. Okay. Yeah. EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprogramming or reprocessing. So, um, they use eye movement and what they call is bilateral stimulation, meaning the eye movement accesses both the left and right hemisphere of the brain as the eyes move. Um, sometimes people, if they get headaches, they use either buzzers in their hands or hearing in their ears that go back and forth, but they're alternating hemispheres of the brain. Um, the other thing that the eye movement does is it allows the therapist to kind of track if somebody, if their client is starting to maybe dissociate because if they stop tracking, then maybe they're disappearing mm -hmm. or going somewhere else. And so it's a way for the therapist to kind of make sure things stay on, on, you know, on track. What I think most people do is they hear the eye movement part and they don't hear the desensitization and the reprocessing part. And that's what's really happening when you go in and you, you do an EMDR session. So what ends up happening is, is you go into your session, you pick what's called a target memory. And this is something traumatic that's happened to you in the past. Sometimes your target memory is associated to several other memories that we would call being on the same channel. So if I have a memory of being of feeling powerless, I'm probably going to have several other experiences in my life that have also been big where I've felt powerless. And so you pick the memory, and usually you pick either the first memory, meaning the earliest memory you have, or the worst memory if there's a really big event or something. And that becomes your target memory to work through. And then in EMDR, as you kind of do the eye movement, what you're really doing is, is you're actually going back into and through that original memory that you started with and then letting the brain go wherever else it's going to go. Thoughts, memories, sensations in the body, emotions. And you're just, it's more of a mindful approach. You're just paying attention to what you're noticing and allowing the brain and the body at the same time to reprocess and kind of reorganize the information of that past trauma. And for most people, what ends up happening is that when they reprocess it in a way where the eye movement is kind of keeping them with one foot in the present moment in the room that they're in, but it, it's also allowing them to go back into these spaces, the brain is allowing itself to have the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system and the brainstem all working together to reprocess this memory and what it does is then it allows people to go oh i see it differently or i feel it differently or oh that memory what seems so prevalent and i couldn't even stand to think about it now it seems off in the distance a little bit or it's kind of faded a little bit and a lot of times what it'll end up doing is actually reorganizing and shifting and this is where the reprocessing comes in even the way that i interpret the meaning of the memory so a lot of times with trauma we experience something and the interpretation of that experience often goes inward on ourselves of a belief we form. You know, we talk about false agreements all the time. I'm not good enough or I'm unworthy or I'm powerless or whatever it is. And when you reprocess with EMDR, a lot of times that memory, as it changes, and it doesn't change the memory, but as it changes the way that it feels and looks, it also shifts the, the thought and the feeling around it. So... Um, I'm talking a lot here, but just an example of that. Um, when I did it for myself, I did over a memory of my childhood where I felt powerless and I felt weak and I felt like I let people down. And by the time I was done processing it, I honestly felt like 
I had been the hero in this story. Like mm -hmm. I had done the very best I could and that I was actually pretty courageous and brave. And, and I really feel that way now when I didn't before. And that's the shift that kind of started to happen. Interesting. So, um, I guess a couple of things with that. So, um, one, um, is it possible, like, how do you know when it's right for you? Like, this is something that's been on my mind. I've, I've, I've decided that I'm going to give it a shot based on some of the past conversations we've had, but why, what, like, what is it that you can identify? There's a couple of things, um, you mean as to why it would be right to go yeah, do it? Yeah, right. Yeah. So a couple of things that I, that I tell people when they ask that question is one for anybody who has like what I call snapshot memories that are really painful meaning like the big memories like if you think of something in your past and it's like bam your whole body gets lit up and you start to feel your heart pound again or you feel that tightness in your chest if it's over an isolated instance EMDR is a great option for that um, because because it's going to desensitize that just by the nature of doing the work so if you have any big big like isolated instances of trauma EMDR seems to be really, really effective for that. Um, the other thing that I tell people is if you find something going on in your current life, you're an adult now, whatever, and you've got this like repetitive like sort of pattern that you're going through that you don't like, but you can't figure out why you keep doing it, a lot of times you'll find that EMDR, if you track it back with a good therapist, you'll find that you're on a you're living from a place of one of those channels we were talking about and you can go back with the therapist and find a good starting point and then actually do the work that will allow you to have a shift in your daily life now because those patterns are just what we call reenactments where we go and we actually reenact the traumas that we experienced as children because we don't really know anything different you know yeah and so if you see wow. if you find those patterns and you're like man i want to I want to figure out why I keep doing that or why this, why this kind of thing keeps happening to me or why do I keep ending up in my dating life with like these total tool bags that like don't treat me with respect. And it's like, well, it, it's not just about them. It's about what I'm doing to get myself into those relationships too that I really need to take a look at. Okay. I guess I'm thinking about some of the memories that I, I have that they don't, some of them do what you're talking about where it's like it, kind of stirs something in me and, and I uh, go back to maybe what the core belief was or that feeling and, and it's unsettling um, and then there's others where it's like it's not as big a deal but it's still something that like sticks out to me for yeah. some reason and um, I'm like one that I'm almost even embarrassed of it to share is uh, this time that I had a, a I had to practice saxophone, alto sax. I'm like a little sixth grader, like first learning how to do the thing. And my family did not want me playing inside the house because I was practicing an alto saxophone as a sixth grader, all right? Um, so they said, and this is required homework, so they were like, outside. So you got, we you, live in a neighborhood. This isn't like, you know, in a, in a rural area. Um, you had to go out and just play for the neighborhood. Yeah. And, and there was a lady that, uh, our neighbor just came out and yelled. She was like, that's enough. Shut it up. Oh, <laughs> and, that's sad. Yeah, it is sad. You know? And I, and I look back, like I love music so much. Yeah. And some of the time I think is, the way that I viewed music and my ability as a musician or, you know, to be able to perform, has that been stifled because of that memory or is it 
a chain of other things or you know and, and so it's on my mind like should that be one of the things that I work on or not you know? uh, yeah, that's a and great how do you question. decide I guess <clears throat> I think you usually start with the things that are most distressing for you obviously you want to try to like improve the quality of your life at the maximum level you can so if there's a situation where it depends on how impactful that was for you yeah. and you're looking at the two different like choosing which memories to, to start with you're probably going to start with whichever memory induces the most pain but yes that would be what's really interesting about that example too chase is knowing you and knowing how much you love music you know um i imagine that on some level that did stifle you a lot that there was a sixth grade boy who loved music who learned to be ashamed of his ability to produce music and he didn't know any different so you didn't even know how traumatizing it was or how much it may alter or change to you until you're now an adult and now you're trying to create music and produce music and you're trying to lean yourself into the discomfort of that it's like man if that's rising to the surface right now and it feels like it's holding you back in some ways then yeah that would definitely be something that emdr could help to at a minimum take the sting off and at a maximum actually shift the way you view yourself completely and your ability to mm-hmm. produce music um you know but we talk in, in trauma what's interesting too is a lot of people this is really interesting with people that i work with people who have had very significant trauma by by standards you know of like how big trauma or, is yeah that stuff yeah. a lot of times they'll come in and they'll be like yeah, I don't know why I'm so worried about this. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's just the world that they were living in. They didn't even realize how much of an impact it was actually having on them or that how much of an impact it would have on somebody else because it, to them it was just the water they were swimming in. And so like for you, that's you tell the story now and I'm like that's a really significant event for a 6-year-old kid, a lot of kids. I mean, 6th grade kid, you know. That's going to be and it's it's going to stand out and he's going to that that kid now is prone to depending on how he responds and every kid's of maybe a little different resilience level but i imagine that you i've never i never even knew you even played the saxophone yeah 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 it was a it's, flash in the pan it's been a source of shame for you in a certain way and, <laughs> yeah. you know and and how many other times did you shy away from playing another musical instrument or being involved musically with other people or even going to church and singing at the top of your lungs or you know it's like those things do matter because they send messages that we then assume are truth until we do this work to go back into those dark places and look at it and go that actually didn't need to be true right yeah, like right. we didn't have to have that be true like you're actually a pretty good musician and you love music right yeah. i remember as a kid same thing like i was singing in church and i was just belting it out like loving it it's like one of my favorite songs in church and and uh my brother turns to me and he's like then he turns to the other my other brother he's like tyler's tone deaf you know <laughs> i shut up i didn't sing until like 10 years later when i was on a church mission and my and the president of my mission was like everybody sing at the top of your lungs let it go like you it's okay and i started singing and then people that i'm sitting next to were like you got a good voice <laughs> Like you got a really nice voice. I'm like, I do. Like, <laughs> I'm tone deaf. I was so told I was tone deaf that ten, long. ten years yeah. ten years ago. I was told I was tone deaf by my stupid brothers. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, the the authority they have. It's had like, the man, the music. impact that that has. We don't even realize the impact that it has. Right. right? Yeah. You know, 
So. Okay, so one, I guess one last question is how how long does it take before you start to see results? It depends. Uh, you know, for what's really cool about EMDR is, you know, there's obviously, think of it like an iceberg with different channels of ice, right? So there might be my I'm a failure channel, and there might be the... Um, I'm powerless channel and there might be you know other channels of memories that we all kind of have sometimes you can actually clear a whole channel with just one target memory mm. and sometimes that'll take anywhere from one usually usually you have to do a few sessions with your therapist to get acquainted before you actually do the EMDRI processing part <clears throat> but usually you're going to be it can be anywhere from a couple of sessions to as many sessions as you want, depending on the issues you want to go into and work on. But, but my experience has been that when the body starts to learn, oh, I'm capable of reprocessing this stuff, the process of EMDR seems to get even more and more effective. And people actually kind of start having, a lot of times, their own stuff start to clear, you know, just because they know they can trust themselves to know that it's going to clear. That's cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you know, it's usually, it's, a, it's generally a very pretty brief treatment, anywhere from, you know, a few sessions up to 10 or 12 sessions. But I have had clients that I've done up to 20 sessions with before, even maybe even more than that now at this point, because they just really like the process of it all. Okay, and, they, and they're working on different and they'll come in. Channels they'll come that, in with they'll come in with like a different memory or a different yeah. issue, you know. And and sometimes you know a particular issue might take several several sessions, and then they come back later and go, oh, I've got this new issue. I want to work on this instead. But they they've trusted the process of EMDR enough to know, hey, that's going to be helpful for me. So. Okay, so I know I said one last question, but I'm I'm curious. Do you have any? examples you'd be willing to share of like how people have changed like what have you seen if, as far as the effect of it yeah i think it's i think what i see is like in people's beliefs about themselves and in in their ability to look back at their memories and their lives with a different way of, of viewing themselves so i've got uh i've got a client who's like loves emdr in fact in fact i ought to pull up the i just barely got an email this morning from her could I just share a little piece of it yeah. of course it'll be you know I need to keep privacy but let me just let me just share this good morning I just wanted to share with you what happened after our EMDR session it's probably the most spiritual experience I've ever had and I'm not going to go into all the details but basically what happened with her is that she she's always had this feeling that she needs to be responsible to manage everybody else's feelings because she was she grew up in a situation where as the child in the home she was caretaking her everybody her parents her siblings even her older siblings and so i uh, gotta love that <laughs> that's perfect timing <laughs> That's awesome. So, anyway, she. <laughs> we, can, we can go take it into the car. Try to finish her out. Well, I, if you think our sound's okay, we're, we can vibe. <laughs> yeah. Let's just carry on. So, so basically, she she has this belief, even as an adult now, that anytime somebody is maybe not like happy especially with her, but just in general, she feels responsible to be the one to have to fix it. 
and we ended up doing some processing. We've done several sessions, and and part of what came out of this email that she just sent me is she woke up with this spiritual experience that said, basically she heard in her own mind, it's totally okay for you to lay it all down now. And for her, it was a spiritual thing with God where God was saying, I'll carry the burden. I've got people. You don't have to hold it anymore. And she gets this immense lifting off of her shoulders, almost a physiological response of, I don't have to do this anymore. And she gets the freedom now to go and live her life without always walking on eggshells, needing to manage everybody else's emotions. And the patterns that'll shift in her life now is that she'll be able to speak up more and have her own opinions. She'll be able to have better boundaries inside of her relationships where she can let people be upset without having to go and fix them or betray her own values. And she's she's gonna have more confidence in knowing that that she's a good person regardless of whether or not people are happy with her. And, and that's gonna happen not just here in the head because we do that all the time in therapy, like, yeah, let's just teach them. It's going to happen here in the body. Like she's going to have a full body experience of going, that's true. Like I can let that go. And I am a good person and I don't have to manage other people's, you know, lives and feelings all the time. And, and that's going to, that's going to change her life. You know? And yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about that's one of the biggest struggles it seems is how do you get something to go from knowledge to just truth in your soul? And so it sounds like it's a, a pretty dang good tool for I think that. it's. I think that's it. Is like I feel a shift as much as, like you said, to use the word soul, I feel a shift as much in the soul as I do in the head. Wow. And in fact, I would say it's even more impactful on a soul level than it is in the head level. You wow. know? Okay. So That's incredible. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thanks yeah. for I'm, shedding some insight. I'm man. excited Those to see cool how examples. it goes for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I'll, <laughs> Give you guys an update on that. Yeah, that'll be good. I'll be busting out the saxophone, <laughs> sexy wait. sax man style. <laughs> You've got three months before you're doing like Kenny G making the sounds here, yeah. here on the podcast. <laughs> Shirt off in the, in the winter and everything. You still got the hair for it. Yeah, yeah. kind of. <laughs> <I know. laughs> All right, All right man. I'll see you guys.